Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to yet another episode of the Philly Bandwagon Podcast. Ryan Michaels here with your boy, Chip Tannen. What it do, baby? The Sixers break our hearts in game one. Uh, they lost by four points. Had a terrible, terrible first half. Came back. Made it a game. What are your thoughts? And how much do we have to get into on the podcast? Uh, yeah, this is going to be, this is probably going to be a mixed emotions kind of a podcast. Uh, a lot of sadness, a lot of potential anger, uh, but potential. some, some bright spots that we have to look to as well. Um, but overall first half was absolutely pitiful and the second half was a lot better, but still not enough. So we're going to get into what went wrong in the first, what should never, ever happen again. Why Doc Rivers made me angry, and what worked, what turned them around, and what made it a game. Um, moving forward from there, we're going to talk Phillies. Uh, last podcast, we crapped on them and said they sucked, and that evening they scored 17 runs. And then in another game recently, they scored 12. It, it, are they ever going to find balance ever, or just streak? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the biggest thing with them. I mean, again, we, we say it, I guess, every podcast now that that's their biggest thing is consistency. Like, again, I know they scored 17, and I know they scored 12 the other day, but I'm not really excited, if I'm being honest, because I know that this team is going to eventually fall apart again. So, like, I, I don't see it sustaining at all. So, um you know, we'll get into what's been going right um, and what they need to do, but it, it all comes down to consistency with them. Yeah, and, you know, it, it really goes to the batting lineup and the rotation when you just see the potential that it has and how it's not consistently executed. It really, really makes it difficult to enjoy watching, especially when they're struggling. So, I mean, it kind of just is what it is there. Um, Phillies are, and have been over the past few years, just a team that we've always hoped to do well, but never truly came to fruition. You know what I mean? Yeah, they they just don't play to their potential, and it's been happening for at least three years now. Well, you know, Phillies might not be our pride and joy at the moment, but we do have a holiday coming up. Father's Day is coming, and the weather is catching heat. Whether you have a dad bod or you're rocking a six-pack, make sure you and your dad are smelling nice and shaved where it matters most. Make your dad proud this year and get him and yourself the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0 and Refined Cologne by Manscaped. The brand-new Lawnmower 4.0 and Refined Cologne is perfect for you and the dad in your life to complete your grooming game. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code PHL at manscaped.com. We always talk about it. If you get a cheap razor, you know for a fact you're going to get nicked. It happens every single time. You should invest in yourself. And who's the company that we should invest in and why, Chip? Well, it's Manscaped. They're the global leaders in below-the-waist grooming, and they just dropped their new Lawnmower 4.0. I hope you're as excited as I am for this because this thing is absolutely legit. 
This fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce the grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. Do you or your dad travel a lot? If so, then the 4.0 is the perfect trimmer for home and on the go. This upgraded trimmer includes a multi-function on and off switch that can, that can engage a travel lock. It also gives you the ability to turn the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. And it's waterproof. You can now shave your balls in the dark, the shower, or anywhere your heart desires. The Lawnmower 4.0 even allows you to customize your trim through additional guard lengths with sizes 1 through 4. The new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction, which can help battery length last even longer. And fellas, it's time to pull the plug on wire trimmers and your wild bush. After you guys have cleaned up your balls, clean up your cologne game with the refined cologne from Manscaped. With the same signature scent that's in all Manscaped formulas, this cologne is a perfect complement to the collection. Light, approachable, and gentlemanly in all the right ways. If the old man is smelling like a little funky, this cologne is a surefire way to change that and make him the talk of the summer. The man of the house deserves to smell like a king. Whether it's a gift for you, your dad, or the men in your life, choose Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code PHL at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code PHL. Don't forget that you came from your dad's balls. This year, show your original home some love with Manscaped. I got nothing left, Chippy. <laughs> what you say? Cue the rock music. You're listening to a Philly Sports Nation production, enhancing your Philly sports experience. Let's uh let's bring the balls out and uh let's shoot around and talk some Sixers. Uh I'm not happy about it. Not happy about it. I mean, who is? Look, uh, for them to have come out that stagnant at home in the second round, it's it's alarming, you know. It it just showed that they were ill prepared for it. And let's start off um, with one of my main issues, which is Danny Green was on Trey Young for too long. Am I wrong? Uh, No, you're not wrong. So the whole time Danny was on Trey, he was cooking him. Uh, Trey Young Mm. was able to do anything that he wanted. Um, And, you know, when they were on the other side of the ball, um, when the Sixers were playing defense, it just seemed like Trey Young was kind of just standing around. If the Sixers want to win, um, they want to put one of their ball scorers on them because they'll be able to bully Trey a little bit. It's not like he has a great defensive capability. He's a great, great, great player when it comes to the offense. He can make shots like I've never seen before. However, the test really comes on his defensive side. If you're not going to make him do anything, what's even the point? I think the biggest thing defensively on Trey Young is the whole pick and roll situation because they just did that every time they went down the floor. Capella or somebody would come up, set a screen, he would go off it and either shoot a three 
drive the lane and float it in, or the guy doing the screen rolls off and he, he throws a lob to him. So the, the, their pick and roll defense has to just be better. Um, the Hawks were wide open everywhere. And, yeah. and to piggyback off of that, when the pick and roll would happen, you would see a second defender go over, but that would leave someone like a Bogdanovich wide open. And right. that dude was nailing his threes and has shown all year that he can nail threes and through his career. I don't understand what the setup was. And, you know, a, a lot of it goes to Doc Rivers. Now, Chip and I have discussions outside of the podcast, obviously, but Doc Rivers really, really, really got out coached, especially in the first half. Everything he was throwing out there wasn't working. And the whole bench lineup, they got cooked. There's a 17-0 run. That's what made it insurmountable. Yeah, the bench unit, they just they just were not, they did not play well. The, the entirety of the bench, I know Matisse had a couple nice shots. Uh, Furkan kind of at the, at, in the second half hit a, hit a few shots. Uh, but overall, the bench did not play well. Um, they just have to play better. They do. Um, you know, as much as I hate to say it, Maxie was two of eight from the floor. Um, you know, I need a little more out of him. I need more out of George Hill, who didn't, who didn't score a point. I need more out of Dwight Howard. Um, Matisse Thibel had 10 points. That's actually above average for him. Um, so I, I'm, I'm fine with him. But uh, just overall, the, the entirety of the bench needs to play better. And, um, you know, going back to the defensive thing, um, you just can't, you can't have Danny Green on Trey Young. And we, we learned that. Um, from game one so I think when Ben Simmons is out there you put him on you, you put your defensive player of the year candidate on their best player that's how it should be um, and when Ben Simmons is not out there then you put Matisse on him because we saw clearly when Ben Simmons and Matisse Thibel were on him that he was passing out and he was not as dangerous as he was in the first half um, because when we put those guys on him he, I mean he only had 10 points in the second half so clearly we changed it up, um, but it was just that the lead was so big. And in the second half, we still were just leaving guys wide open. You know, there, there was a couple times, too, wide open, like late in the game, too. Herder yeah. shouldn't have gotten in there for that layup. Why was he yeah. allowed to just drive Again, in and score? That's been happening since the Wizards series. Uh, Bradley Beal and, and guys like Ish Smith and, and even Westbrook at times. Uh, they were just getting to the lane way too easily, and that continued. Because, uh, but you just you can't you can't let that continue to happen, and you can't let leave guys wide open for three. They they shot they 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 hit twenty threes. They averaged twelve on the season, and they hit twenty of them. That just that just shows that our defense was poor. It, it just was. That they, they did step it up. I will give them they did step it in the second half, but they still were just leaving guys wide open and you can't continue continually let guys shoot uncontested shots because they're going to go in. I, I feel like a lot of the uncontested shots came from those traps that we're talking about with the other guy yeah. coming over to assist. You can't do that against a Hawks team, which has so many versatile weapons and it, it what you, you look at Bogdanovich, he had over 20. You look at Collins, he had over 20. Trey Young had 35. Um, people were coming in off the bench and scoring. It it, it wasn't helping at all. Uh, 
I mean, Embiid played really well. I'm not going to say that he didn't. Towards the end of the game, Ben Simmons really stuck out to me. Uh, But you you look at a guy like Tobias Harris. When the ball was in his hands, good things were happening. And you mentioned this to me before, but the Hawks were going to take him out of the game, and that's exactly what they did. They really limited him. What do we have to do to adjust if our second-best scorer isn't able to do so. Well, then other guys have to step up. If they're going to take somebody out of the game, other guys have to step up. And, you know, Simmons did what he did. Uh, again, other than the free throws, which we'll get to in a second. I, I was fine with his performance. I was fine with Seth Curry's performance. But going back to Danny Green, he just he had a, he had a bad game overall, defensively and offensively. He could not, he could not stick with Trey Young, and he went 0-4 from the three. He had four points. If he hits half those threes, then it's a different game. So I was not happy with Danny Green's performance at all. I think that was the biggest thing for them. Um, and then, again, going back to the bench, you know, that whole situation. So those were, those were my – offensively, those were my two biggest things, the bench and Danny Green. Um, yeah, it, with, when it comes to Danny, too, I want to mention, it, it looked like him and Seth Curry were playing, like, as if they were at the gym, just shooting around. And yeah, it was early in the at, shot clock, and it was yeah. stupid. Yeah. At, at, at times, they were just very poor poor shot selection. Um, they were, now, Seth they was were clutch later. Up. Yeah. So, I mean, Seth hit some big shots. That's the biggest thing. Um, but Danny didn't. Danny didn't hit, really didn't have any, any big moments. Uh, like, sometimes they would get a steal, and then he would – like, Simmons would pass in the ball, he would chuck up a three, and it wouldn't go in. And, he, and th- there was times where he was wide open. He got to hit those. Because they were hitting them, but we weren't. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of more upset with Danny Green than Seth Curry because, again, Seth Curry, you know, did hit some shots. Um, and he hit some threes, too. Danny Green didn't hit any threes. So uh, I'm, I'm looking for Danny Green to come out and, and play a big game in game two because, uh, you know, there's a lot of people who are rightfully so um, upset with him because, yeah, he, he just didn't play well at all. And um, – and surprised me because Danny Green's been here. You know, he's a, he's a, he's 33 years old. He's won multiple championships and he just didn't play well. So I expect him to come back and have a nice game in game two. Now, a question that I did see come up after the game, did doc set him up for failure, putting him with Trey? I don't know. It's tough. I, again, I don't think so because, like I said, Danny Green's been here. You know, but he's, he's thirty-three. Had, he's aging. Yeah, he's not the I, same I, spry young player. I know. I understand. But you know, he's still he still can guard. He like he's still a pretty good defender. Like I'm not going to take that away from him. Um, and he knows what it takes to guard some of the best guards in the league. But it just it just wasn't working for whatever reason. Now, in the first half, we, we talked about the bench unit again. They were all minus. Yeah. Double digits, I think. It was pretty, more. It's still pretty bad. Yeah. If we see that again from Doc, how furious will I be, let alone you? Yeah, I mean, uh, he, uh, he again, he did realize that 
the the whole the entirety of the bench unit just wasn't working with with each other. So in the second half, he he always had to keep one starter. You have to you have to keep at least one starter in if you're going to put your bench in. Um, and he started to do that. He kept Ben Simmons in for a while. He kept Tobias Harris in for a while. He kept Embiid in for a while with with some of the bench guys. Um, so he did realize that, but that that first time it did put us down. You know, it was it was when the 17-0 run happened because the bench was just not scoring, and they were just giving up easy easy plays every possession. Um, so he did adjust, but that did kill him in the, in the long run. So uh, let, let's move on a little bit and let's get to the fundamentals of the game that went wrong, and specifically with Ben Simmons. The free throws are going to continue to be a problem. Yep. Now we saw Hackaben backfire on the Hawks. Yeah. Do you think that that backfire is going to make them a little more wary before doing that? I don't think so. I think they're going to continue to do it. If I'm being honest. Um, as long as Ben is missing free throws, I think anybody would be stupid not to do it. I mean, it's annoying as as fans for us, but I think they will continue to do it. He went three of ten from the line. That's thirty percent, if you're not good at math. And see, even if he goes six out of ten, it's a complete different game. It, even if he goes five out of ten, like we're not asking a lot here, Ben. <laughs> like fifty percent. For an NBA player, 50% from the line, even 50% is bad, but give us that at least. 30? 30%? Yikes. You know, you, these, if you're, if you're a long time listener, you know, Ben Simmons is my guy, but, and every other aspect of his game is fine right now, but it's the free throws, man. They're killing us. Absolutely killing us. And it's not just the free throws. I mean, there was a lot of missed layups. There's just nothing more infuriating as a fan to miss free throws and layups. They're literally the two easiest shots to make. One of them's free. And a layup, you're a foot from the basket. You're just underneath it. So it, just the fundamentals have to have to just be tightened up. <sighs> and I need and I need I need Ben Simmons shooting free throws every single day. Hundreds, hundreds of free throws every single day, and ma- making at least making at least fifty of them. Uh, yeah, what whatever. But out of a hundred, I, I need Ben in the gym every day. Shooting free throws because this um, cannot continue. This is going to cost them games. As we get deeper and deeper into the playoffs, I think that if the Sixers find themselves in another position that they did, uh, they are they're going to need him to hit those. Yeah. On top of it, let's talk about the 17-0 run. The 17-0 run was what put the Sixers in the position where they couldn't come back. Yeah, in the long run, yes. 
they people were open all over the court for the Hawks. Yeah. They were able to pass out of all those traps. They were able to make things happen. What what can the Sixers do to adjust to that? I mean, why weren't they playing man? Well, it's not they were playing man. They were just they were. I think they were just trying to overcompensate. Yeah, they were trying to trap some guys. They were trying to double double guys, and that just left guys open. But that continued through the whole game. Um, so they're they're going to have to learn how to a just stay one on one. Which they should do, because if you have Ben Simmons on Trey Young, he'll, I, I'm sure he'll be fine. Um, but the, the whole the whole pick and roll situation, they got to get better at that. They just have to. They've never been particularly good at that, and that's been happening for years now. But they just they have to play better pick and roll defense. Um, either with you know Embiid communicating to the guy up top, or or whatever it may be, uh, or, or somebody helping, or I, I don't know. But they just have to be better. Um, and they cannot continue to leave guys wide open. Um, and I know it's difficult, you know, because. But Trey Young was just they were he was eating them alive. Um, and, and you can't let him do that because that's when the Hawks are at their best. Now, you know, you, you saw a shift in Trey Young in the second half because yeah. of adjustments made. Ben on Trey and Matisse on Trey really kept him. As quiet as you can keep him. You know, he's never going to be shut down. But you can prevent him from scoring 35. Right. Um, you can make sure that you don't have a bunch of Hawks wide open. You know, right. and, and like one play, like at the end of the game, that Bogdanovich three, you know what? I tip my cap to you. That was just a dagger. You know, you got yeah. us. That's it. It is what it is. And I'm fine with that. You know, I give you your props. There's nothing I can do about it. And same what? thing, you know, same thing with the with with the, the logo threes from Trey Young. I mean, he's hitting, you know, he's hitting. However, I mean, he's 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 at he's at the logo and he's shooting threes. If he hits them, you just got to tip your cap. There's nothing you can do defensively for that. He walks up, chokes up a three, and he goes in. There's nothing you can do. If you force him to do that consistently, that's better for you in the long run because he's not going to hit a lot of those. Um, you know, he hit a, he hit a couple in the game, but if he can, if he continues to do that, those, those are the most difficult shots. Um, and when they get, Hey, listen, like I said, if they go in, you tip your cab and you move on, there's nothing you can do. Um, but the, you know, the floaters, you know, getting to the lane easily cannot continue. The, the lobs cannot continue. Um, you know, easy shots. They just can't, you have to make it more difficult for them. Um, you have to make it more difficult for the whole team to get open. Yeah, and you gotta you gotta contest threes, and you gotta stop them from getting in the lane so easily. Trey is going to find someone open. I get it; he's that good. Yeah. But the amount of easy passes, like you said, the amount of lobs that he just sent up there for dunks shouldn't happen. And it, it was bad, man. That that whole first half and even the third quarter, I'd say up until about seven minutes into the third, was really, really bad. Uh, yeah, and, and listen, we're not we're not going to say you're, you're going to shut down Trey Young completely. He's going to get his, but you have to limit him. The the Hawks averaged twelve threes a game. 
I, I think Hubie Brown said this against the Knicks. Why are they hitting 20 against us? They're wide open. The second-rated defense in the NBA. Why were we struggling? Were we ill-prepared? Were the matchups just not good? What's your take on that? I think, I think, yeah, I think they were a little bit unprepared. I think they were, I think they underestimated the Hawks. And I think that the matchups were not as good as they could be. Uh, that, that goes back to the whole Danny Green situation. Um, ben Simmons should have been haunting him from the first tip of the, of the basketball in the game till the end. And then when Ben Simmons is out, you put Matisse on him. It's as simple as that. And, you know, and when you have Doc Rivers saying, oh, the officials were unfair to Ben, no, they weren't. They were calling bad fouls all game, at least after what, yeah. the first. You can't say that. That that is that is the most – and, you know, it, it infuriates me because that that's an excuse. Like, we saw a literal bad game called against us entirely against Washington. Okay, you know what? I get that one. But this one didn't really feel that way. It was kind of like, ah, you know, crap. It, it didn't feel – it felt like some of them were like, ah – but it went both ways this time. That, that's just my opinion watching the game. People are going to say, oh, what game were you watching? I, I still think blaming the referees for a loss is one of the most pathetic things you can do because you should have won on your own either way. Well, I, it's not that he's blaming the refs, but I, I agree that even mentioning the refs, you know, is not really – it's just an excuse. Um, I, I do is. agree that the refs were, were not good. Um and they were in favor of the Hawks, if I'm going to be real. Yeah. And that's not being a biased fan. I mean, they were calling – there were some bad calls that called against the Sixers. Um, you know, the one that the, that Doc Rivers challenged was not a defensive foul on Matisse. It just wasn't. <laughs> I mean, what, what else are you supposed to do as a defender? Um, Matisse was straight up. Trey Young leaned into him, and then he fell back, and they called a defensive foul. I mean, there's nothing you could do for Mat- as Matisse Thibel. That, that you That's literally – what you're taught to do as a defender, but they still call it anyway. Um, there was a couple on Ben Simmons. There was one. Um, I think he was trying to get off a screen, and he called. They called a foul on him. I mean, I hate when they call fouls when someone was trying to get like get under a screen or over a screen or something. And he's trying to defend his guy. Like I understand they're setting a screen. That's the that's the point. He's trying to get open, but. You know, he's not, he's not like arm and like, he's not using his arm to get around him. He's just trying to get around him. So I, I, that's, that's something Tums I don't understand those calls. Um, and then I know uh, I don't I, under, I don't understand a lot of the calls. Yes. Some of them went against the Sixers when they shouldn't have, but you can't like publicly say that is my thing. Like it, it goes into excuse territory. And, you know, you should just own this loss. You should say, you know what? We did not play up to standard. Not, oh, the refs did this and the refs did that. I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, I think somebody asked Doc Rivers, was like, uh, what did you see offensively from the bench? And he said nothing, which is true. So hopefully that lights a fire under the bench. But, he, I mean, he was being – Doc Rivers was being real. You know, so I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to crap on him for, for what he said, but 
Um, I'm not going to crap on him it, for what he said anymore. However, I am going to crap him for the, the lineups that he put out there. Danny Green sticking Trey Young. Yeah, I agree. And just letting poor play happen. And, you know, there was another lineup, too. It was Simmons, George Hill, Tyrese Maxey, Matisse Thibel, and Dwight Howard. Who's your scorer there with Ben not at guard? I mean, Maxey. Um, who was struggling? Who uh, I mean, and, and Hill was struggling, too. So th- those are probably your two best, um, you know, ball handlers, other than Simmons, obviously, in that lineup. Uh, and they just they both just didn't have good games. There's I mean, there's nothing you can do. Uh, but here's another thing kind of going off that. Um, that's turnovers were brutal. In nine the in the first quarter. Nine in the first quarter. They had 19 overall, so they cleaned it up towards the end of the game. But, I mean, that's another thing that absolutely killed us was the turnovers. They absolutely killed us. And that that's old school Sixers, man. That, that's not that's not this team Sixers. Like, that that's old news, man. Uh, you know, we we've mentioned on this show how how infuriating turnovers are for me especially. Um it's on the same levels like missed free throws and missed layups, but those are the top 3 worst things for me. But yeah, the the turnovers and having 9 in the first quarter, that cannot happen. And they were stupid stupid turnovers that should not have happened. Like just like dribbling the ball off your foot or or throwing it away or or walking or, or stepping out of bounds, whatever it meant. But there was just a lot of stupid turnovers that should not have happened. That cannot happen for a team of this caliber. So that's another huge thing that needs to be talked about, that, that, that put them in that humongous hole. It just it got to a point where they were going back and forth, and I was fine with that. You know, yeah. the Hawks are a shooting team. I said, okay, you know what? If if we're going to be a uh, in a shootout, that's okay, as long as uh as long as we can match it. But in came the bench, and it just <laughs> chip. When I say my morale went from like okay, okay to oh god, to oh no. So what in the living f? Yeah, well, you know they they I think they had to leave for most of the game, if not the entire game. Um, but um, you know once it got to like ten, I'm like, okay, we need to make a little bit of a run here. And then they got a twenty, I'm like, okay, uh, we need to make some major adjustments here. Um, and then it got to halftime, I'm like, we're still down twenty. Okay, this is not good. Um, and they made a little bit of a run in the third quarter. So I'm like, okay, you know, we're making it a little bit interesting. Uh, the fourth quarter they played, it was obviously the best quarter, um, but it was just too little too late at that point. Uh, they played great in the fourth quarter, but, again, it was just, it, it wasn't enough. Um, they almost did come back, though, uh, but it just wasn't enough. Now, let's do two positives, because we talked a lot of negative. Yeah. The first positive is that, even though they were down by that much, they came back and only lost by four. Yep. Which shows that they didn't give up the whole game. Yep. Which is good. Uh, the second positive I'd like to say is Joel Embiid looks as good as he can with a knee injury. Yeah, man. He played 38 minutes on a 
on a small meniscus tear. And, you know, I, I don't, I don't know what that means. If I'm being honest, like I've never had a meniscus tear. I've heard of it, but I don't know how, how bad it hurts or how much damage it could do. Like, I don't know. Um, but for a guy that's seven foot, 275 pounds for, to play 39 minutes, 38 minutes and score 39 in a playoff game on, you know, a bad knee, that's, that's pretty damn impressive. So, um, he, he looked good up until the fourth quarter. You could tell he was kind of favoring it a little bit. Um, but I'm not worried about it. I think he'll, you know, he'll continue to get treatment on it. Uh, he'll continue to monitor it or they'll continue to monitor it. So I think he'll be fine. Um, but it, it's just, it was just very encouraging and very impressive for a guy like that to go out and do what he did. You know, I, I think that the Hawks are a beatable team. Yeah, I really do. I think that the Sixers are way more talented than them. And it really comes down to execution and preventing them from getting these open looks. These open looks are what killed us the whole entire game. And they were some of them were pathetic. Yeah, open looks, turnovers, and just bad fundamentals was the ultimate downfall of us. And I really want to get back to Danny Green acting like this is a gym, shooting up threes with two seconds into the shot clock. It doesn't make yeah. any sense. The yeah, lane I mean, was they, open for one of them. They were down by four at that point. Why not just drive it? Hell, you might get fouled from behind. The hell? You're ice cold from three. What are you doing? And there's the anger, folks. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, like um, I looked at the screen, and like I said to you, that lane is wide open. Oh, there it goes. Yep. Yeah, then he missed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, that, and I think that was off like a steal or something. It was. And we were down by like four or whatever, whatever it was. And yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, that, that goes back to fundamentals, too. Um, just poor, poor shot selection. Um, you know, if you're coming off a steal and, there, you know, it's like a it's like a three on two. You have to score there. Um, so and you can't settle for anything. That's what he did. So. A lot of what, stuff needs to be cleaned up, but what do the Sixers have to do this next game to win and win big? Well, the statement is win, needed. Yeah, well, if they want to win big, they have to limit Trey Young, and they need to play better defense in general. Um, and you know, the biggest thing with this team is defense. I said it. I think I said it last week. When they played good defense, the offense will come with it. Because if you're getting steals and you're getting blocks and, and turnovers, then that just leads to instant offense. So I think this, this whole team's basis is defense first. And when you're playing good defense, the offense will come. So um, because, you know, offensively, I think we're still fine. Uh, Embiid's going to get his. Uh, if we can get Harris the ball more often, he's going to get his and, you know, if Simmons can continue to drive to the to drive to the basket, he's going to get his. Uh, and you have Curry and Green shooting threes. Uh, Green needs to be better from the three. Um, and other than that, you just look at defense and you got to play better overall defensively and just stop making stupid decisions like with the turnovers and the bad shots and all that stuff. Like clean lot, up the turnovers. Clean a lot up of the, the turnovers were unforced too. Yeah, they were stupid turnovers. 
just throwing the ball away or stepping out of bounds or walking or, or whatever it may be. But the, you can't you can't have nine in the first quarter and have 19 overall. You just can't. And we we've seen turnovers haunt this team mm-hmm. in the past. I, I can't see another game like that. Yep. You know, the Hawks are really shifty. We have to match their intensity and more. The number one seed of the East should not be losing that badly to a five. I, I don't really know how else to put it. Am I panicking? Absolutely not. There's still plenty of basketball. However, they have to win this next one. I agree. I will be furious. Yeah. Yeah, they, they have to win. Um, can't go down 2-0 heading to Atlanta. You just can't. Um, so they have to win. They have to win tomorrow. And they have to take at least one in Atlanta. And I'll feel I'll be feeling a lot better if they can do that. Oh boy, we got a long two weeks ahead of us, don't we? Indeed. I think uh, I think they'll split at home, split in Atlanta, and I I I, I hope win win. Yeah, you're hoping you know. I mean, you're hoping five, obviously, but. If you're being realistic, maybe six or even seven, maybe. I don't know. Um, I st- at the moment, I still like the Sixers in the series, but um, I'm not going to count the Hawks out of it. Uh, they showed- oh, absolutely not. They they showed me more resiliency yep. than I thought they would. You know, yep. I, I wouldn't say they played as, ang- as full of anger as they did against New York because, yep. you know, coming from a Philadelphia sports fan, we're supposed to be the worst fans in the world. I mean, they were they were they were horrible, but they just get a free pass because it's New York. <laughs> yeah, New York was brutal, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean the fans were definitely more tame than I thought. Um, I mean, I think we just get a bad rap, but uh, I think we were pretty tame because we were losing most of the game. So and we you know we booed a few times, which was definitely warranted. So. Uh, but uh, we—I mean, listen. When we, you know, when we hit our shots, they were definitely energetic. Um, you, you can definitely just feel the difference with fans there. Um, and I said to Ryan when we were watching the game, you know, whatever happened in this game, I just love seeing a full house in the Wells Fargo Center. Uh, it was just very cool to see. So, um, I'm happy things are starting to get back to normal a little bit. A little um, bit at a time, man. You know, as as long as everyone. Is the way that I put it is as long as everyone isn't a dick, we'll be good. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So, um, yeah, I mean, listen, let's go Sixers, and it, it, it's a must win already for Game Two. So we'll see what happens. Amen, brother. Let's say uh, let's put the balls back on the rack, and let's walk it off. Let's talk some Phillies. Um, I mean, w- w- what are you seeing that's that's working when they are scoring, and when the bats just look dead, I mean, are, are you seeing that? How do I put it? Are, are they not? Are, uh, I'm trying to word this right. Is it their plate vision? Because I feel like they just strike out a lot. They do. Well, they do. They're just, they, yeah, they do strike out a lot. 
I don't know. I said it in the beginning. Uh, you know, they scored 17 against Cincinnati. Uh, they scored 12 the other day against Washington. But I, I don't know. I mean, they when they do score, I guess they score. I mean, they score in bunches when they do score. Um, I think they had like seven runs in one inning or something like that. So, But I still don't feel great about this team. I just don't because I'm so used to the up and down of this team. Um, we've seen their highs and we've seen their lowest of lows. So, you know, I'd be more happy if, if they would continue this, but I just don't see it with this team. Um, I don't see it with the pitching. I don't see it with the hitting. I don't see it in the bullpen. Um, the pitching has been way inconsistent. Aaron Nola is not having a great year so far. He's having an okay year, I guess, but to his standards, no. Uh, Wheeler's been fine. Eflin's been like the team up and down. Um, and, you know, it's bad when your second best pitcher is Vince Velasquez and you guys know how I feel about Vince Velasquez. So I don't know, but that, that's, that is a problem is when they strike out way, way, way too much. They just do. Uh, and it's a problem. I mean, you look at a player like Adubel Herrera, who has had a lot of controversy around him. He's kind of stepped up. He's hitting 273 now. Real Muto's still hitting good. He's in the 290 somewhere. Um, Reese Hoskins, you never know what you're going to get with him. I mean, yeah. he's in the mid-200s, uh, but we, we've seen him had his worst in the low 200s, you know? And it's it, it just – and it goes back to that. When, when Brad Miller's one of your hot bats, you know that you yeah. have a problem. Yeah, I mean – like you said, I mean, Hoskins is one of the worst in striking out. I think he, he probably strikes out the most on this team. Um, but, I mean, it's not just him. It's been, you know, it's been McCutcheon, who we've mentioned a lot a lot in this on this show. He's not having a great year. I mean, he's had his moments. He's hitting 225 now, which is way up from where he was, but way still up, not. You know, he, yeah, lately he has been better. Um, Alec Bohm's been just lost at the plate, it seems. Um, Ronald Torres is starting at shortstop quite. Yeah, I mean, Didi Gregorius has been on the D or excuse me, the IL for a little bit now. Um, so I don't know. I think I mean the bottom of the lineup is not good, and when Hoskins is striking out every other at bat, you know it doesn't help either. So I mean, I'm glad we got Harper back. Uh, we got Real Muto back, so maybe there's some stability. Um, but I, I mean, when McCutcheon was struggling, he moved, uh, Odubel to the leadoff spot, which I like that because like you said, Odubel's actually been playing pretty decently. So, um, I think you should keep Odubel in the, in the leadoff spot and keep McCutcheon batting sixth or seventh or whatever it was. Um, but I think the biggest thing right now hitting wise is like I said, boom, um, you know, we had high hopes obviously from him last year and he's hitting, like 210-ish in that area. Um, he just doesn't look himself right now. Uh, he's striking out a lot. The one thing I do like about him, I think I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, um, he gets really upset when he strikes out, which is good. And you could see it. Um, but he's doing it a lot. So uh, that's a major problem right now. I know we keep saying it, but striking out is one of this this team's major you know, Achilles heels right now, um, along with just very, very poor and inconsistent bullpen and just pitching in general. 
Now, the pitching is so hit or miss, and, and you look at the fact that, excuse me, a guy like Vinny Velasquez is the one stepping up out of everyone. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is a guy who has been as inconsistent as you can be throughout his career, who has shown us nothing really of value until right now, this very moment. Lord knows why, but where's the consistency from your supposed ace, Aaron Nola? You know, Zach Wheeler is okay. He's doing okay this year. Um, I haven't seen much of Eflin, just the games that I've been watching. I haven't really seen him pitch. Um, have you seen anything from him, really? No, nah, it's been kind of the same, you know, situation. He's just been inconsistent. I mean, he's had he's had some good games and he's had some really poor games. Uh, he and that's been, not saying a pitcher's go- never going to have a bad game, but it's just so no. often. Yeah, it's just um, I don't know. I mean, they don't go through stretches where they're really good. Like they'll have a good outing and then a bad outing and then a good outing and a bad outing. Like it's not three good outings in a row and then three bad outings in a row. Like it's, I don't know. It's weird. Um. But, uh, yeah, Eflin's been probably decent at best, if I'm going to be honest. He has been great. Um, he's been okay. I'll just put it at that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, even in Vinny's last outing, he went four innings, and I think he gave up three or four runs. Might have been three. But that's still not – that's not good. <laughs> that's – yeah, I mean, and they and they 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 put Howard in the rotation finally, but they're still not. Yeah, but he pitched him two innings. Yeah, they're still not letting him pitch more. I guess more than like what seventy five pitches or whatever the the cap is. I don't know what it is, but they're not letting him loose still. Um, so. They're going to regret that. They're going to regret yeah. that a lot. Yeah, I think Howard can be good. Um, he's he's in the rotation, but I don't know. I don't know if you how, how you feel about going three innings every outing if you're actually in the rotation it's more like an opener if you're going to be honest but you know i i, I feel like to they're being too strict with howard and they're letting bohm just duke it out you know we saw the success from bohm last year and then this year we see him struggle but they're letting him struggle to work out his kinks why aren't they doing the same with Spencer Howard? And I mean, it, it, the pitch limit is going to be his Achilles heel. It's going to be really bad. If he doesn't end up with the durability needed to be a successful starting pitcher in Major League Baseball, it's this season, you know? I know they're trying to get the most out of his arm, but how's he going to learn? How's he going to get the experience needed to pitch deep into a game? How's he going to be. I think the biggest thing between the difference between Bohm and Howard is Bohm had a good year last year. Howard did. Uh, and another thing is I think Howard was banged up for a little bit. So I think they're just trying to ease his way back in. So. Right. But if, he had a, if he's pitching a good game. Right. Uh, yes, and exactly. he doesn't get the experience. Like pitching the fifth inning is a lot different than the second, you know? Right. I agree. I agree. And they need to, they need to, let him loose a little bit more. Um, and just, I mean, see what he's got, man. Because, we again, we still don't really know. Like, I know he didn't have a great year last year, but he didn't pitch that much last year. And he hasn't pitched this much, that much this year. So we, I don't even, we don't even know what we have in Spencer Howard. And if you can continue to just let him throw two or three innings, we, we won't know. You got to let him go. We got to let him, you know, 
get through the fourth and the fifth and, you know, possibly the sixth and even further. You just, we don't know what we have. And we have to find out sometime. But you're not going to if you're if you're only going to let them pitch three innings. It, 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 see, I, I know where they're coming from. I'm not an expert. But it feels like they're holding him back. Professionally. Yeah. And, you know, feel free to correct me. Feel free to call me an idiot. But that's not even coming from like, oh, that's too traditionalist. Because it really isn't. I mean, any job you start, whether it's, you know, working in hot foods or whether it's uh, the CEO of a bank. You have to start from like the base to get where you're at. You have to learn everything and become good at your job. And if you don't have that experience, how is he supposed to be good at his job? It's hard, man. Yeah, you're right. It's like saying, oh, man, I I really like what this kid does. And I, I, I really, really, really think that this person has the ability. However, I'm not going to promote them and I'm not going to let them uh, do what they should be doing uh, because I'm worried that they could. Screw yeah. up or get hurt. Yep. If you want to play the possibilities game, anything could happen. We could all die tomorrow. Yep. Doesn't make sense. And ramble. Do you have anything else to add on the Phillies? I mean, you know what I'm going to say, man. Consistent Consistency is number one. And this team does not have it. Yep. And you know what's uh, the most consistent thing about this podcast? Us being angry and disappointed. Nope. Reaching our destination for the day. We'd like to thank you for listening to the Philly Bandwagon podcast. Go to phlsportsnation.com for all your Philly sports wants, needs, and desires. Go to the podcast tab. Go to the PHL Bandwagon. You can find us on Anchor there. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio. And anywhere podcasts are available. If we're not on a platform that you listen to podcasts on, please let us know. We'd like to be on there. Um, you can follow us at the PHL Bandwagon on Twitter. You can follow us at the PHL Bandwagon on Facebook. Uh, on Twitter, we do share polls weekly, so please share those. Please comment. We love, love, love the interaction with the fan base. It's awesome. And I think uh, I think I have I have a lot of fun with that. You see a lot of opinions, and some of them are crazy, some of them are very good, and other ones just make me question why I'm on Twitter. Um, if you want, you can follow me at PHL Ryan Michaels. You can follow Chip at PHL Chip Tiernan. Um, that's really all we got this week. We thank you for listening. See you at the next stop. Go Sixers. Go Sixers. Must win, baby.